welcome and uh, thank you for joining us for this uh, first breakout session. Uh, my name is Tyler Baird. I'm superintendent of parks and forestry here in Iowa City. Um, I've been in Iowa City since uh, 2015. Um, just grew up uh, down the road in Tipton, so uh, really native, I guess, to this area. Um, and uh, when I started with the city, I was the field supervisor for horticulture um, around the city. Um, then I've been assistant superintendent, now superintendent. So um, I've taken that love for plants and that background in plants and hopefully infused some of it around the city and some of the, um, the plantings um, you've seen and trying to keep uh, natives in mind through that as well. Um, I can't take credit for this uh, background uh, prairie in this photo, but it is right outside of town. That's the Kaler Prairie, um, not too far away. So first off, I want to do a native disclaimer uh, because some of the plants you'll see in some of these slides, especially in the backgrounds of them, are non-native. Um, in my personal garden, I use a mix of everything. Um, and same with around town and some of our plantings, we have a mix of things. So you will see some things that are um, non-native, but usually well-behaved with our natives. Um, also, there'll be native ours, which Carol gave a good uh, um, description of during her talk. So there'll be a little bit of everything, but, um, but hopefully uh, you'll see quite a few natives throughout here. So kind of the objectives for this talk, um, kind of look more at prairie history um, and uh, how prairie plants have been used. Um, talk about planting with intention. So I really want to focus on, and Carol talked about 10 different uh, um, kind of goals, and I want to look at the design or that creativity goal in more depth, uh, at least through the first part of this, this talk. So I'll be approaching it from kind of a designer's perspective. Um, I have a background in landscape architecture, so kind of first and foremost, I consider myself an artist, um, and plants are, are my uh, um, media um, for that art. Um, and then plants to know. Um, is the last section, and we will go through some um, plants that you may want to consider. Um, maybe you already have um, nothing too um, extraordinary amongst the plants and standing out that you haven't seen before, but there may be some that you're not as familiar with um, that we can hopefully um, uh, get you introduced to. So you might be able to use in a, a spot that would work in your gardens. Background picture here is um, uh, my favorite uh, uh, native prairie plant, that's Rattlesnake Master with a nice sunset behind it. So um, uh, one that we will definitely um, see throughout here. So I also wanna talk a little bit about uh, Spirit of Place, uh, Genius Loci. Um, and that is something we talked about all the time in my landscape architecture studies. Um, and it's really, um, it means just that spirit of place. And we, the more we are connected to that place, um, the more authentic that place will feel. And native plants have a, a really uh, um, big role to play in that. So, um, you know, native plants can help us, um, you know, connect with others, connect in the garden, um, connect with, with the youth. Um, we heard a little bit from Michelle about getting um, her daughter introduced to the garden, which I thought was really cool. Um, and really getting that next generation, that one in six at least that uh, Carol talked about that um, are interested in the environment and act actively doing something about it. Um, I think that all ties into the spirit of place. And spirit of place uh, for grasslands, I'll call them in this setting, um, is worldwide. So anything you see in color there are grasslands around the world, what we would call prairies here. Um, and then North American grasslands as well. Um, so you see Iowa's well situated in that tall grass prairie. Um, although with changing climate, that mixed prairie is inching closer and closer. Um, I would say uh, that line may have even moved slightly in the past uh, few years here to that, that western border of Iowa. Um, and some of those conditions of, of that drier mixed prairie are, are actually um, pretty common in our uh, uh, more urban spaces around. 
Um, but all of these uh, spaces have similar kind of a spirit to them, that spirit of place. I've lived in, obviously, the tall grass uh, region. I've also lived in the Palouse um, grasslands, which is behind the title there a bit in the uh, purple up top. I've lived right on the edge of the basin steppe, and I've lived in the California grasslands. So all of those places, um, I, I still kind of felt that, that spirit of place, that, that feeling of home. Um, and that is actually one of the reasons I, I ended up back in Iowa. So as you can see here on the map, these are some of the um, Iowa City prairies. These don't include all of the, the small little um, plantings around downtown or in our parks that include native plants, but this gives you an idea of what um, our staff has been trying to do um, uh, especially the past, um, you know, 10 years, but even before that. So um, the different colors of stars there show the different sizes of those, uh, those prairie um, patches. Um, so you can kind of see where, even in the closer to downtown areas, we're still trying to get some of those small um, the prairie patches in, and then kind of out from there, we have some larger um, uh, acreage, uh, Waterworks Prairie Park, great example. If you want to go see um, a native uh, prairie that's been established a little bit longer, um, and uh, um, some of those larger patches, the Sycamore Greenway has some uh, large patches as well. And we're currently on some of the edges where we have bigger spaces like Kicker Soccer Complex, we're adding a lot of prairie there too. So places you can go and explore um, and bring back ideas um, for your own gardens, hopefully. So this isn't new, um, using native plants. Uh, it has really um, come on the scene really strongly since oh, about 2000, um, but this dates way back uh, 100 years before that. Um, this is Jens Jensen. Um, he was the superintendent of parks in uh, Chicago. Um, in that time frame. Uh, he actually was at two different times. There was politics involved. He was ousted and then came back. But through that all, um, he brought native plants to the focus. So at that time, there weren't the sprawling suburbs around Chicago. Um, so he would go right outside the city, see the prairie, and wonder why aren't we using these plants um, within our parks. And he was also a, uh, um, a designer of um, uh, local um, residences as well. Um, same time as Frank Lloyd Wright, the Prairie School of Design, all of that was kind of tied in. So in this uh, um, drawing you see, um, it's kind of a, a combination of what was popular there in the top right corner, more of that formal kind of European garden type feel. And then on two thirds of the plan there, um, he has uh, used more natural um, uh, naturalized plantings with native plants um, kind of all throughout there. So he was one of the, the first ones in the Midwest to really see our, our prairie plants as um, plants that could and should be used um, uh, throughout. And so Chicago is a great case study um, example for prairies and native plantings. They're still doing this today. Um, this is in Northerly Island. So you can see that obviously the skyline back there. Um, but uh, if they can get uh, prairie to grow well um, in such an urban area, um, I think uh, it's a good example for what we can all do. And then same here, a little bit closer to downtown. So uh, this garden was designed by um, Roy Diblick. Um, he's got a great book here. It's called The uh, No Maintenance uh, um, Perennial Garden, No with a K. Um, I believe the library has this one. Um, and uh, uh, it's, it's a great book that uh, um, talks about his approach. He uses a lot of natives. He doesn't just use natives, but he uses a lot. Um, it's kind of a new perennial design is the, um, what the movement's called of, of this planting style. Um, Chicagoland area full of a lot of it. It's similar to what um, style we use around um, Iowa City here as well. And then you get further into uh, downtown Chicago, and this is the Lori Garden in uh, Millennium Park. Um, this is planted on top of a parking garage structure, so talk about tough conditions. Um, 
you know, that glade-like condition we just uh, learned about. These plants are, um, are thriving there. And this is uh, a garden that was originally designed by Piet Adolf. Um, he is from the Netherlands, but he has really adopted a lot of the plants we use in the US um, or that are from the US and native to this region, which is kind of cool. It's kind of the reverse. At one point, we were bringing everything from Europe here, um, and now we're exporting some of our, our really nice plants too. So, um, you know, you can see how well these, these plants thrive here. So today, I'm gonna focus more on that art side of uh, things, or that design side that uh, um, talked about at the beginning. All of this has science that's uh, mixed in as well. Um, but I wanna talk about how I approach it from the art side and just know that that all feeds into the science as well, but I'm not gonna touch as much on that. So there are elements of design um, so on the left, you have, uh, I believe the term is principles of art, and, uh, um, and then the design elements uh, on the right. And then in the middle there, you have seasonality and lifespan. Those are just something I've added to it, um, kind of more the, the science side, but something we have to think about uh, when we are designing with living things that change throughout the year. Um, so I will, throughout the next few slides here, kind of point out um, where some of these things are used within the, um, the picture or the vignette of a design. Um, and uh, we can kind of look at how I think about things when, when I'm designing um, of those. And there's other great books too out there. So none of this is all original to me. Um, there's another great one I just found at the library yesterday. Um, I read most of it last night. It's called Prairie Up. Um, and I was happy to see most of them were um, already checked out at the library. Um, so I will be returning this one if anyone's interested in, um, in reading on that. It was just new to the library in April. So it's, it's a brand new book. It's by um, Ben Vogt. Um, and I believe he's in Nebraska um, where he's at, but he's He's been all through the Midwest um, through his life. And another good one that's fairly recent is Planting in a Post-Wild World. This is Thomas Rainier and Claudia West. Um, so another great book um, to look at. They all focus on um, design and some of the science behind it all too. Oops, I see why that was, that really does click fast. <laughs> so first, um, some, more prairie-like examples and using those to um, look at what design elements are there naturally um, that grew on their own. Um, this was a seed mix, so it wasn't, uh, um, you know, the plants decided where to grow there. Um, but some of these design elements you see happen naturally. Um, There's what happens in nature, so color. Um, color is a, always a big one. Um, line, um, so obviously, here with some of the line and then here with some of the line and that's really um, working with that color. Um, movement's a big one with prairie. Um, I think one of the coolest things about um, uh, native prairie plants is that movement in the wind, um, especially if you're at a higher elevation and you can see everything moving. Um, I think that is uh, uh, one of the neatest things on a, on a day, even you know, five, 10 mile an hour wind, you get a lot of that, that movement um, throughout. Um, and then variety. So you see um, in nature, it's common for plants to do groupings. So you see kind of the, there's quite a bit of goldenrod down here. Um, right here is, uh, is my favorite, the rattlesnake master. So there's a big patch of that. And then you have some of the, uh, I think it's one of the sunflowers um, or false sunflowers in the background there with the yellow um, kind of grouping together into their own little communities. Um, and this prairie is out at uh, Ryerson's Woods, um, so uh, another good example of a spot you can check out. And also the woodland there at this time of year is amazing, so make it a, a, a dual trip. This is at uh, Kaler Prairie. Um, it is uh, managed um, by Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation. It is just outside of town though. Um, and it's a great example. I go every year in the fall to help them with a seed harvest. 
Um, so I always see it in the fall. I need to go some other time. Um, I need to get permission for him, from them to go out there and see it in the spring maybe, but um, it's a beautiful place in the fall. I love the, the fall color in the prairie. Um, it's muted at times, um, but uh, you can see just that seasonality coming into this. Um, also value those lights and those dark colors um, really draw you into the different areas. Um, once again, lines in this case, I, I see a lot of vertical lines. Um, so being in that tall grass uh, prairie um, region, uh, big blue stem and uh, Indian grass and, and even switchgrass are, are things that draw your eye up in such a, a horizontal landscape otherwise. Um, and then once again, pattern here. So um, you see some of the, uh, the light uh, whites throughout um, coming in on some of the last of the seed heads that are there of some of the uh, forbs. But then you also have some of those darker um, patches throughout that kind of create that, that pattern on the landscape. Um, and this prairie is a really good example as well because there are a lot of um, smaller ravine type areas. Um, so not super steep or anything, but areas where that water collects, um, where those plants then filter it, and where some of those um, plants that do better in and wetter conditions are. And here we have at uh, Lower City Park. This is one of our best examples of one of our newer prairies. Um, it's really come on well for us, planted in um, 20, uh, 19, I believe, could have been 18, but right by the uh, baseball fields. And this was the burn we did this um, uh, this spring. So once again, that, that lifespan um, comes into it. Um, that prairie's changing throughout the year. Um, you've got those different textures throughout the year and pattern and movement again. Movement uh, ephemerally with, uh, with the fire and, and the smoke coming off of that. And then uh, really the unity that is created after the fire of that, that black um, uh, burn of the landscape. And even if you go out today, the green that's coming up, it's, it's just really pretty how um, throughout the year those things change. So also seasonality, winter time. Please, uh, if you have native plants, don't cut them back in the fall <laughs> because you would miss out on, on this beauty, especially some of the first snows of the season. Um, it's always beautiful to see um, you know, that, that snow clinging to the, in this case, the seed heads of the um, switchgrass, um, that, that contrast in the color, um, the texture um, with the, the small seed heads and those clumps of, uh, of snow. And then really that emphasis, it really, if you were to scale back of this, uh, um, this scene, you just see uh, the snow sticking to everything. And I think that's really a, a beautiful um, thing to use and design is, is that um, seasonality and, and the way um, things change throughout the seasons. So this, uh, this is my garden at home. Um, this is a view from my deck. Um, you can uh, you know, use those different vantage points to uh, um, your advantage in design as well. Um, but here you see, this is, oh, I'd say this is probably midsummer. Um, you've got that color. Um, so using color and using um, it uh, with form um, to create you know, pockets of color or massings of color. So Carol talked about um, you know, if you have a larger area, um, using massings of uh, um, certain plants to create some order within that. Um, my neighbors have never complained about the planting, so um, I, I take that as a sign that I'm, I'm doing something right to make it look at least enough uh, composed that, uh, that no one's complained. Um, emphasis, uh, really what catches my eye here are um, the different uh, forbs in this. So you've got uh, um, wild quinine on the left, you've got butterfly milkweed or butterfly weed on the right, and then you've got the pale purple comb flower creating that, that emphasis with their form and their, um, and their uh, color. One other thing on here um, we haven't talked about yet is space. So creating those spaces for the eye to rest um, so some of the smaller plants, um, like the prairie drop seed, create kind of pockets of space in this, um, uh, something to consider. And then proportion, and the one thing I would change on this planting is 
the proportions a little different because the plants really liked um, the location. I don't know if the soil was really good or whatever, but <laughs> the, um, and it's not in bloom yet in here, but the gray coneflower got way taller than I was expecting. Um, so I may be moving a few things around in future years just because that, that proportion of where things are placed um, can get a little off if, if something's too tall or something's too short. Um, you want to think about those layers to that as well. So here's an example in Iowa City, um, just uh, not too far um, up the street here on Washington Street. This was one of our, our first um, native plantings uh, we did uh, um, after I started here um, in a really public space where people pass by quite often. Um, there was a question earlier about um, renters and having um, native plants. Well, this is right outside of a lot of uh, rental um, units, uh, front doors, um, and on the way to class for a lot of students. So while they may not have that at their own place where they're living, hopefully they're able to enjoy some of those native plants um, as they go by. Um, this uh, planting changes all throughout the year. Um, Unity is created by the different colors and plants that are used. It's a small um, plant palette in this case. I think there are about eight or nine different species that are um, predominant species that are used. Um, and uh, we even throw in some daffodils for first thing in the spring, um, things like that to uh, um, create that color throughout the year. Um, and this one truly is a pattern. If you saw the plan for this when we, uh, when we installed it, of course things have moved around. Um, but there are a bunch of colored dots signifying each of, uh, of where the plants go, and it's, it's a pattern that's repeating all the way up the, the like two blocks of median there. Here's another example. Um, this is at Cardigan Park, so on the east side of uh, town. Um, really looking at, the uh, um, thing that stands out to me the most here is shape. Um, so the shape of the plants, and those change throughout the year, but this one has the kind of circular clumps um, uh, kind of spread throughout, and that's uh, the black-eyed Susan in this case. Um, and those create different pockets of space and a pattern again. Um, and then value is something uh, I think it can be important. So, you know, you've got the, the, what I would say all the green is kind of the lighter value, and then you got the darker values with the seed heads, and then, which I'm learning might not be as good for the, the insects, the uh, nine bark with the dark uh, um, leaves. Um, hopefully they still have some benefit, but uh, um, just creating that, um, that contrast um, and, and tying those things together. Um, and this is a really unique uh, planting because these are primarily leftover plants from other projects we had, and our, our staff would um, fill these in for a couple years. Um, they put our extras out there. So this was them experimenting, um, using things they had learned in other spots around town. Um, and they deserve all the credit for the design out here because it, it came from, from them laying the stuff out kind of in the field as they saw it and, and using those plants throughout. Here's that same garden um, showing that seasonality, so a similar um, angle even in that garden. So that seasonality, that lifespan, um, that other uh, example of um, leaving things throughout the winter, um, not just for the um, wildlife and insects, but also for the, um, the aesthetic appeal too. Um, and then other things like value, again, really that um, that light, too, that's captured off of that, um, that snow is, is really beautiful. So then further up on uh, Washington Street, um, showing just a, another example of a variety. Um, so um, a few more plants in this uh, um, area than further down, a few native ours and a few non-natives you even see in this, um, but uh, um, really just creating that variety to um, uh, keep the eye interested as it moves along, but it still creates a pattern as well. Uh, a great example of movement, if you get a, a slightly windy day in the, uh, um, once the seed heads have formed uh, into uh, summer to beginning of fall is on Iowa Avenue. Um, this is that first uh, 
um, median on the east side of Gilbert Street. Um, and this is using a technique that is mostly grasses um, and uh, looking at how our native grasses uh, uh, work together um, to create kind of a, a living mulch. Um, there are some evergreens mixed in that as they get older, um, our native uh, grasses here in this instance will kind of create that space between. So we don't mulch this. Um, it is a lot less maintenance intensive than it would be if it was individual plants spaced further apart um, that, um, that were mulched around. Um, we could pull buckets of weeds out of this, and if you drove by the hour before, you wouldn't even notice them. Um, and that's kind of the, the beauty of using this native style as well. Here's that same garden looking at pattern, um, looking at how these uh, um, different mass groupings um, throughout. Um, the only forb we used in this um, is the black-eyed Susan, um, kind of an ode to it as our, our city flower. Um, kind of sprinkled it throughout for some color. Um, we did not mask that because it can have disease uh, um, issues if it's masked closely together in some instances, um, but, but we were still able to spread some of that color through the pattern. And then really on that, that close-up scale, I think prairies are underappreciated for the details they have. Um, if we see a large prairie, we see you know, the mass of everything. But if you look at one square foot of prairie, you see really the close details, whether it's the insects there, or in this case, the, uh, the pale purple cumflower, you've got that texture of the seed head, you've got the texture of the little hairs um, along the stem and on the, the petals, and just uh, the veins even of the petal creating that texture and that interest, um, I think is something that, uh, um, you know, if, if you stop and really look closely at some of our native plants, it's, it's really beautiful and, and what they have to offer. This is at City Hall, um, kind of using uh, um, balance, uh, the purples um, throughout um, this, as well as the, um, the verticality of some of the grasses, um, I think are what, what really creates some balance. Um, you can see kind of a swoop of uh, yellow blooms throughout as well, um, or Soon at this time of year, there's, there's more purple in this, um, I feel um, like, if I'm remembering right. Uh, this is at my house again. Um, so looking at uh, what you can do in a um, residential setting, um, really looking at line. Um, so I like uh, liatris quite a bit too. Um, and it's that verticality of that plant, um, as well as rattlesnake master you see kind of up to the left, um, and some of those taller grasses um, create that, that vertical break in line that breaks up the horizontal of um, the, the general look of our, our lower growing natives. And then once again, in my garden, seasonality. So um, I don't use a lot of goldenrod because it can spread, but um, this is a cultivar here called Fireworks um, that really does a, a fireworks display in the fall, that, that beautiful yellow um, that, that is shown there. And I've sprinkled that throughout, um, so I've got pockets of, of color throughout for seasonality. Um, you've got at this time of year some more of that verticality of this is Indian grass in this case. Um, and then uh, uh, down here would have been um, bright orange uh, at one point because uh, that's uh, butterfly weed. Um, but at this time of year, it even has um, some of those uh, seed heads forming, which uh, kind of that close-up detail that, that draws you in. Um, also variety, I think it's, it's important to use variety and in this case, variety of colors. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the orange mixed with the purple, uh, that purple is not native in this case, but it, you could imagine that being a uh, liatris and uh, um, it would do the same thing um, in that uh, kind of that color variety. And then all of that's bouncing really off of that green um, in there as well. Oops. One more uh, here is uh, Unity. Um, so once again, a uh, not a native R, but a selection here, uh, Tennesseeensis coneflower, um, and then a actually a native R with the uh, 
um, yarrow, um, but really looking at how those plants and those colors combine to create that unity. And you can use those in coordination throughout the garden to create that, that unity or those, those patterns um, and some of that order bring that to the garden as well. So that's a kind of a crash course on the um, kind of the way design elements work. Um, I'm always thinking uh, when I'm designing about things throughout the seasons. Um, so in my head, I, I kind of have a, uh, a 3D uh, kind of idea of how things are going to look um, kind of moving, moving throughout. So um, while I sometimes put my designs down on paper, I prefer to order my plants that I know will look good together in groupings. Um, and with the right number for the square footage I have. And then when I have them on site, I will lay them out how they feel like they work best, I guess. Um, for some people, it works better to draw it all out exactly how it's going to go. Um, the Iowa Avenue median is a great example. Ordered the right amount of plants, laid it out. Somehow it worked out. We had the perfect amount of plants. Uh, you don't get that lucky every time, but um, that looks different in the, the brief sketch I did than it looks um, today, um, but I made those adjustments as I went, um, thinking of, of all those things as it went. Um, so remembering to add to those design elements, which you can find any of those online, um, those elements of design, um, but remember to add that seasonality and that lifespan to it um, to uh, really make it work, bring some of that science into the, the design world. So kind of switching pace here, let me see what, how I'm doing on my time. Um, for a plant palette, so um, what I mean by palettes is quite literally like an artist's palette. You've, you've got your plants and those are, are your paints uh, per se. Uh, grasses are um, oh, the first one we'll cover here. Um, so I'll just go through some examples of each of these and kind of how I think about them and use them. And I'll try to touch on some of that design side of them as well here. Um, big blue stem, uh, it is the tall grass prairie plant. It's what tall grass prairies are known for, um, what they, they've really always um, had a component of. Um, so this one's really nice uh, um, with that, that tall form. Um, you need to use it in places that um, you know, are the back of the garden or the center if you're kind of viewing the garden from all sides. Otherwise, it will block the view of, of some of your other plants. So just keeping that in mind that it's one of the tall ones, but it adds some verticality to everything. And, and, but that verticality also has some nice arching stems as well. Uh, June grass, this is one that I need to use in my garden. I, I have not used it yet, but here it is in, uh, um, in its uh, native habitat on a remnant uh, um, uh, hill prairie. Um, and it is uh, beautiful in, in June when these uh, brown seed heads form. Um, so it's, it's quite an uh, um, interesting color um, and uh, um, kind of texture as well that contrasts with what's around it at that time of the year. And I did see some of that last year at Iowa City Landscaping, so I was happy to see it available uh, locally as well. Um, switchgrass, um, there are lots of different cultivars of switchgrass now. Um, switchgrass can be a little um, aggressive in the way it spreads. So in this case, uh, not knowing all the rest of the science behind each of the, the native R's or the, um, the, the cultivars of this native, um, it may be something to consider. Um, it may keep that plant from spreading as quickly. This uh, one here is Northwind um, uh, variety, and this is by uh, one of the parking ramps downtown. A uh, little blue stem. Um, really cool plant for texture and color and that, that kind of light that comes through the seed heads. Um, also the, the nice green color through most of the year. Um, also one you can get tons of different cultivars for. Um, I like the true native species um, and that's what you'll find over on Iowa Avenue. Um, it, it really has a nice look to it. Um, if you want one for your, your yard and it's, it's 
you need it to stay more upright. There are plenty of cultivars that do that now too, um, so it doesn't flop as much. And different fall colors on different cultivars as well. And some of those cultivars are actually selections of native ones, um, of, of a true native. So um, once again, all, not all um, cultivars are, are made the same. Indian grass, another one to be slightly careful with. Um, uh, it will reseed. Sometimes that's a, a pleasant uh, surprise, sometimes not so pleasant. Um, I pull quite a bit of this out of my garden each year in places I don't want it. Um, so that's another point to your garden's going to change um, throughout the time that you have it. Some things will change for the better, some for the worst. So don't feel bad to edit your design as you go, as it grows, as it takes on a life of its own, um, you can then edit it back again. Um, seed heads are really cool in the Indian grass. Um, uh, you can kind of see a little bit more towards the detail, um, the, the pollen um, with the, the, all the yellow on some of the seed heads. So it's, it's a really pretty plant. Um, very difficult to cut back in the spring. So if you're looking for something easy to cut back, it's not this plant. If you use a string trimmer to cut your natives down, it will chew up your string and it's hard to mow, all of those things, uh, depending on which, or chop with your shears, but, but a really nice plant nonetheless. Prairie drop seed, um, this one really does the best at that movement that we talked about. Those seed heads, once they form, will, will kind of dance on the wind. Um, it's got a nice uh, um, arching form as well. It stays shorter, so it, um, it allows you to create some of those, those spaces and those proportion um, changes throughout the garden. Um, some people like the smell. They say licorice or popcorn. My only knock on this plant is I really don't like the smell. Some of you may be in the same boat. Um, so uh, it's definitely you know when it's, uh, when it's uh, blooming and getting its seed heads. Oops, so sedges. Uh, sedges, there are 2,000 and some sedges um, out there. Um, I'm only going to cover this one here because I could go down a rabbit hole of sedges. Um, I just got my landscape architecture magazine for this month yesterday, and the front page cover talked about sedges. The, the main uh, spread in it was on some of the different sedges. So they're really gaining in popularity as well, and Carol touched on that um, uh, in her presentation too. But Pennsylvania sedge is a good standard uh, standby one, and why I like this is it does well in almost every type of setting, but there are sedges for wet, dry. Um, most people think of sedges as wet, but, but there's dry, um, there's shade, there's full sun, there's anything in between. Pennsylvania sedge does a little bit of all of that. Um, and the seasonality of it, even when it's uh, um, fall or winter, um, it has a, um, an interesting look with uh, the way the tops of the, um, the leaves kind of turn that, that brownish color. And then this time of year, it's, it's bright green um, and it has the seed heads really early on too. So it's for some spring interest. So Forbes, so anything that's flowering is what I mean by Forbes. Um, so yarrow, um, yarrow is a really uh, um, interesting uh, one that has, you can get any color now pretty much. Um, this on the left is going to be more of the, uh, what it would look like in a prairie. Um, but plenty of colors being marketed out there. I don't know all the science behind which one's best or which one is um, not as good for pollinators, but I have seen pollinators on, on all of these uh, within my garden. Um, and uh, it's one of those plants that's been shown that it will do really well as our climate changes. Um, it does well in uh, drier, hotter climates um, too. So um, it will spread a little bit, but um, sometimes that's good. It, it fills in spaces between other plants. Uh, giant hyssop, um, another one that, that has a uh, um, kind of a um, licorice type smell to it. The bees love this. Um, I have a video of it from a few years ago in my yard and uh, it was just buzzing with pollinators all over the place. So um, that's something that, that's really cool to see or, and hear when you go out into the garden. Um, so it really has that nice purple color too. 
I have had a little bit of trouble sometimes with this overwintering. Um, so just, you know, know that some of your plants won't come back the next year, but something else will fill in in its place or you can add um, back in. Um, part of the fun of, of uh, gardening is adding new things each year. Uh, Nodding onion um, is our native um, prairie um, allium within from Iowa. Um, if you know of other allium this time of year, the big, um, big uh, purple balls you see around everywhere, um, that is related to these. But um, these are really nice. The deer don't like them uh, because they smell and taste like onion. Um, and uh, um, they're really pungent as well if you brush up against them in the garden or when you're digging in and weeding, it's, uh, it's kind of a nice um, addition. And as you see, the, uh, the nodding one gets the name from the way the, um, the arching of the, um, of the flower heads. Uh, lead plant. Um, this one is a forb that's also kind of a woody plant. Um, it's kind of a combination. Um, the story of these is when um, the settlers were plowing up our prairie um, that would have been here, um, it made like a zipper type of noise because those roots were so um, deep and uh, it kind of made that, that ripping noise um, when they uh, plowed through it. Um, this one's pretty cool with uh, the purple um, on it as well. And just, once again, some of those details of the leaves that I, I think are quite beautiful. Um, columbine, this one's great if you have a little bit shadier yard. Um, this would be more of a, a savanna plant, um, which we learned more about the, uh, the definitions earlier. Um, it's going to do well in, in uh, kind of that dappled shade. Um, and it has a nice color this time of year, but then again in the fall, um, it, it has some of those, those red um, tones coming in too. Uh, butterfly weed. So this is the milkweed that I gravitate towards when I'm planting. Um, it's a nice size as far as milkweeds go, and it doesn't spread as quickly as some of the others. So if you have neighbors that are concerned, oh, you're planting milkweed, well, this is one everyone can get behind with uh, um, the beautiful uh, orange color. Um, it doesn't, uh, um, doesn't have some of those connotations that common milkweed has. Um, and it also still um, supports a lot of monarch butterflies. Um, I've, I've seen actually more monarchs on um, some of these in the first few years they're planted or on new growth um, than I have even on some of the others. So here's one that has tons of cultivars, um, uh, wild or false indigo. Um, so the white one on the bottom um, there would be more of the the native, and then now there's tons of colors of this. But this one's really cool because of the texture of the leaves, the size of the leaves, the scale, and then also it'll form a, uh, a seed pod um, in the um, summer, and then in the fall it turns a, a dark color to create some contrast. Um, Coreopsis, I've, I've had a little trouble keeping this uh, where I planted it, but that's part of that other happy accident. Um, Usually where I originally planted it, it dies out, but then it pops up in other spots, kind of doing its thing to, to fill in. So just know if you're planting this one, um, you may want to plant some other stuff by it too. Um, so as it dies and moves throughout your garden, you still have something to fill that gap. And tons of Coreopsis out there, also known as tick seed um, and a lot of other names too. Um, stay away from the, uh, the threadleaf one because that one's not, not the native one and go with one of our native options. Uh, purple prairie clover, this is one of them that's in the uh, first section of the um, Washington Street medians here. Um, really a, um, a good one for pollinators. Again, um, if you ever want to collect the seeds uh, to spread to other parts of your garden, this one's fun. You can take your fingers and pull up on the seed head and you're left with a handful of you know, hundreds of seeds, which is pretty cool. Rabbits like it too, so um, whether you want to feed the bunnies or not, they, they will definitely eat it. <laughs> Uh, pale purple coneflower, if I can make one plug for coneflowers today, please plant pale purple and not one of the native R's that you find in the, um, the garden centers. Most of those were tested for one or two years and then uh, 
Um, not after that. Once they go to market, a lot of times they don't survive as long. Comflowers are already are going to be um, uh, have a shorter lifespan um, of the plant. They will move a little bit um, as well, but, but pale purple is, is really nice. It blooms a little bit earlier, doesn't bloom for as long, um, but I think the um, kind of the, the details of it and those, those long um, petals and that, that pale color really uh, make it stand out in the garden. Like I said before, this is one of my favorites, probably my favorite, uh, Rattlesnake Master. Cool name on top of it all. Um, and uh, the seed heads, uh, the flower heads, even though they don't look like a traditional flower, they provide a lot of um, uh, you know, pollinator benefits. Um, you'll see everything all over these, and they'll be buzzing as well. And then they have almost a uh, succulent-like uh, um, base to them um, with some cool little serrated, uh, non-pokey, <laughs> but uh, they almost look like they'll, they'll pokey if you touch them. And here's a really great one for proportion and scale. And um, there's cultivars of all sizes as well, but Joe Pie Weed, so you see here, um, it is pretty tall. This one is uh, taller than me um, when it's, it's growing in my backyard. Um, it does okay in the shade as well, which is really a, a nice uh, um, thing. But you see here, see uh, Pioneer Co-op in the back there. This is by City Hall. Here's one of the shorter uh, cultivars that uh, um, does well um, too. I think that one might be called Little Joe. Uh, this is a time of year where wild geranium uh, really shines. Um, we we're talking a little bit about uh, um, uh, cemetery prairies and the question and answer of the last presentation. And um, at least one of these photos is from the Rochester uh, Cemetery, so just over into Cedar County. Um, it, it is really beautiful this time of year. It can uh, be everywhere. It does okay and um, sort of okay in sun, um, depending on which one it is. It also does okay in savannah type settings where there's a little bit of shade or even into the deeper shade in some instances. Once again, that blazing star, and the reason I like this one is that, that verticality. Um, the way it blooms too, and the lifespan of it, um, is really neat because it blooms um, kind of, it, it moves up the plant as it goes. Um, and then you see the bee on one of those too, so it's, it's, it's a good pollinator as well. I just skipped one. Wild bergamot. Um, the one on the right is going to be the, the native um, selection, and that's, uh, um, there's quite a bit of that in prairies um, around town that we've planted. Um, it tends to do well here. Um, it mixes really well with gray coneflower. Um, they bloom near the same time, so you got that, that yellow and that pinkish purple um, kind of going all at once. And here's a very underappreciated plant. You can find it around sometimes for sale. Um, wild quinine. Um, it has, uh, this is when it's young um, on the left, and then the, the seed heads on the right there. It will bloom for quite a long time, and even before those, those blooms open up, it has kind of a, a creamy white um, kind of start to the, uh, the flower heads, which is really nice. I've used it in my garden where I have um, my downspout comes down and kind of creates a, a bit of a swale. Um, it does well in those, those slightly moister um, type um, situations. So it's, it's another good one that pollinators love as well. And when I was reading through um, uh, Ben Vogt's uh, uh, book uh, yesterday, he pointed out that it's underutilized as well. So um, I, I think it'll gain more popularity in years to come. Uh, Foxglove beard tongue. Um, it's uh, another good one for some spring color. Um, hummingbirds, uh, I've seen um, on, on these in my yard, they, they kind of like that shape of, of flower. So um, just another a good one. Um, lots of cultivars of that too, but um, I don't know if this one's a cultivar or not, but um, probably is if you can find it around in a garden center. Oops, skipped one. Mountain mint. Um, 
This one I like in the fall, especially with the kind of color and texture and everything. Um, so it's a, uh, it's a nice uh, plant, smells good. It can spread, so um, don't, don't feel bad if you um, move it or cut it back. Just a couple more here, gray coneflower with that bergamot in the background I was talking about. Um, it is a, a nice one. Once again, from, from my experience, it sometimes gets a little taller in your garden than it would in uh, a native prairie, so just keeping that in mind. Um, here it is on the right before it, uh, it blooms, so um, not always as attractive before it blooms, but, but definitely creates a green kind of screen there. And then black-eyed Susans, uh, um, they are shorter-lived. Um, if you see our new prairie plantings around town, they will be one of the first things to come in. They'll do really well for a few years, and then they'll kind of fade into the background. They'll still be there, um, but they won't be as, as dominant. Um, and they have shorter lifespan, kind of like coneflowers, um, but they will reseed and, and move around in, in a good way. Uh, compass plants, really cool, the leaves face, uh, so the, the main part of the, the sun catching is always on the, um, uh, the east and the west, so it points north and south, thus the name. Um, it gets a really tall, um, uh, a tall um, stalk there. Um, it's, a, it's a nice plant, too, for some, uh, I guess, drama and uh, height in the garden. Goldenrod, we talked a little bit about this. This is the one called Fireworks. Um, just be careful with some of the others. There, there are other good ones, but um, you may be weeding a lot if, if you uh, use too many of them. And then another good fall bloomer um, are any of the asters that are out there. Um, I think this is New England, that's the purple, and I'm not sure what the white one is there, but um, lots of good asters that, that uh, do really well for pollinators in the fall, but also get at those design elements of seasonality, color, and uh, some of the heights as well. And then lastly, um, ironweed. Um, monarchs like this in the fall as they're uh, preparing to, um, to migrate back down south. Um, another good purple color. Um, I've heard people say this can move around the garden quite a bit. I've not had that experience. I feel like it's been fairly um, well behaved for me. Um, but also this one has um, that kind of finer texture to it. Um, so it's, it's another good uh, one to use if you're looking for some contrast in, in your designs. If you have something that's larger leaved next to it, um, it, it looks similar to some of the Arkansas blue stars that you'll see being more and more popular around, which is kind of a, um, an, um, I guess an honorable mention, it's not really native to Iowa, but it does well with our, our prairie plants because it is a native in other grasslands. Oh, I lied, there's one more. Uh, this is another one of my favorite, Culver's Root. Um, nice white uh, um, seed heads. It has a world, W-H, um, in the spelling uh, of the uh, leaf. Um, configuration, which is just kind of a unique thing for that plant. So just to recap, we talked about kind of the, the history um, and kind of why, um, why we should plant prairie, that, that spirit of place, um, kind of some of the design elements and some of the plants that get us there. So with that, if you have questions, if I still have time, I'd be happy to answer. Yeah. Yeah, good question. So the question is, do you burn the median prairies? We have not burned the median prairies, but we will cut them down every spring um, right before um, the bulbs are popping up that are in those. Um, and we, we use a combination of hedge trimmers, mowers, and, and other things to really chop up that material um, so it's nice and fine. And then that becomes like a, a, a mulch for that season. Um, at least early season until the plants pop up. So, and then those nutrients get recycled back in. So it's not quite as good as burning with recycling of nutrients, but um, it works okay given the setting being difficult to burn. Yeah, good question. One in the back. What would this plant 
Yeah, so the question is places to source the plants. So the, the two vendors that are out here today are, are excellent. So Forever Green is just up in uh, North Liberty. Um, I think it might be Coralville, but it's right on the line <laughs> there. And uh, um, uh, other seed suppliers like Alan Dan, um, you may have heard of like Prairie Moon or Prairie Nursery. Um, they tend to grow plugs that they will send. Um, and I would say landscaping usually has a pretty good selection, um, especially if you want to go with the larger, like uh, number one or gallon size pots. Um, Earl May carries some natives in theirs as well. They tend to have a lot of the two inch, or not two inch, the number two, um, like two gallon pots. If you really want to go big, um, uh, but, you know, there's, there's quite a few places, whether you get them through the mail, I would say try to still get something from the Midwest. Um, your seed sources, ideally something from Iowa or the Midwest um, at the very least. Um, and then some of the um, plant sales that the groups do around, so the one that Master Gardeners has coming up, um, or um, I'm trying to think, there's quite a few in the spring, but um, those are also good places, people that divide their own and and um, those go to good organizations, the proceeds too. Good question. Right up here in front. Okay. Oh, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, so, uh, yep, so she, <laughs> she was asking if we have some sort of resource, does it exist, could we create one for um, uh, especially um, that hell strip or that space that's between the sidewalk and curb typically, um, and how that fits with our regulations. So um, a, a new thing that is on the website and we'll have more installments, I believe, is through our Neighborhood and Development Services um, uh, div uh, Department Division. Um, and they, uh, they've created a video um, kind of highlighting some um, places around town. So that would be a good start at that, that, that exists or is in, um, uh, going to have more installments of. Um, but we can consider, um, another way we can get info out there. Um, I will direct you back to as well to um, Carol's organization though, and there are other ones in Iowa that, um, that have some, some good resources, University Extension. Um, so until we get something more up there, um, that might be a good way um, to kind of get that info. Or even going to the nurseries and asking um, the people there, it's always good, thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what are the regulations, or is there, because I, I mm -hmm. have trouble finding an ordinance that said either way whether yep. they were allowed in that, but to what height? Yeah, so the question is uh, how the ordinance uh, is written for um, the heights of some of the, the prairies. I don't know all of those answers, so um, I would say. Uh, Ideally, uh, look on the web. Our website is new for the city, so the search function is is much improved. Um, so that might be a place to start, um, or reaching out to neighborhood development services. That office, um, they're going to know all of the details of those. I don't want to tell you the wrong thing, and then you plant something, and then you know it being, you have a neighbor that doesn't like it, and. Um, Stan is in the back and he has a card, uh, so <laughs> he will get that to you at the end, so he'd be one of them to ask, so perfect. Yeah, and the purple. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the question centers on kind of long-term maintenance and how that relates to um, if it's applicable as a style for, or not just residential, but for commercial, am I getting that? Um, so yeah, I think um, using the right plants from the list is going to be key for selling it in that way. Um, and Carol talked a little bit about selling it too, but selling it to um, people who are skeptical or um, kind of selling the amount of maintenance it takes or what it ends up looking like um, because sometimes that's the barrier there. Um, I would say in our medians around town, um, we do a decent amount of maintenance, but it's not any more than when it was uh, a grass space that was mowed before. Um, so, you know, it probably averages out to a... Um, a couple hours, uh, you know, well, a couple hours a week um, for a, a larger, like, median um, uh, throughout the growing season. Um, and then, so I, I think it's manageable in that way. Um, at home, I don't, I do edit things, but I don't spend a whole lot of time um, actually weeding or things like that. So um, I think, and in this book by, Roy Diblick, he talks a lot about kind of how the style of planting, um, even though he uses uh, quite a few non-natives mixed with his natives, um, it still has that prairie or meadow type feel to it. And the way those plants work together to keep that maintenance down um, is really quite re remarkable. It's not no as an NO maintenance, but it's, it's lower maintenance if you're doing it right. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, and then providing that expertise, that's the hard thing for us to be able to um, instill that knowledge um, to the depth that uh, um, we would like to, to, to make everyone successful. That is the challenge. Um, uh, you know, hopefully through our presentations and things like this, we can get a start at that, but, um, but there's definitely an opportunity to increase that, I think. Yeah, good question. Uh, let's go over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a good question. It's it's how do you keep uh, good relationships with your neighbors if their landscapes look like the traditional American landscape we see everywhere? Um, talk to them first and foremost. Um, one thing in uh, Ben's book here that he talks about is that, um, and he has he he says. Um, a residential or suburban yard in here quite a few times. I think it's his house that he's got a lot of pictures of, and he even has an aerial of it in one spot that shows all of the neighbors looking different. Um, so, you know, I, it, in the end, it's your yard, so I would say go for what makes you happy, and I think by you doing that, it may show others around that, you know, hey, this is something different to do, and I think you're, you'll get more compliments than complaints um, at least at, at my place, I always get compliments on, oh, I really like what's blooming type of thing. And I've, I don't think I've received a complaint, at least to me yet, <laughs> about anything. So, yeah, I'd say go for it. But, but keep that communication open, too, with them. Let's go over here. Tyler, I'm yeah. sorry. It's lunchtime, so we're going to have to... Okay, I'll do one time. more. <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah, so the question is full sun, they do well, shade. Um, use more of things that will um, grow in savannas. So if you research, you know, you see it's a savanna plant. Um, also experiment, you know, um, I've been surprised sometimes at how well some things do um, when there doesn't seem to be much sun. Like on the outside of this building, for instance, or in the Ped Mall, there's some spots like, oh, it's not gonna have enough sun. Well, we planted it and then there was enough reflected light that they actually do okay, so. Good question. Thank you all. Thank you.